Hey, listen, let me ask you, uh, I found something the other day as I was preparing. I thought this was pretty unique. Now, look, you got to participate. If you lie, your spouse is going to elbow you, okay? Or the person next to you, because I'm assuming you're sitting next to somebody you like or sort of like, or maybe you're not. I don't know. 283 bad habits that we come up with. All right, so this, there's this bad habits, okay? Don, we on the same page? Kathy, you have permission to... All right, so here they are. So, so I'm going to read some bad... These are bad habits that annoy other people. This, I'll just give you a couple. I'm not going to give you a lot, okay? Just a couple. So if this fits you, I want you to raise your hand. No lying, okay? No telling a white lie, big lie, yellow lie, whatever color it is. Just tell me the truth. Just be honest today. Bob, be honest. Be honest. Okay, here we go. Habits that annoy other people. This is you. Raise your hand. Five minutes late for an appointment. How many of you are five minutes late for an appointment? Sort of half, sort of, sort of. Some of you are always five minutes early. How many of you are always five minutes early for an appointment? But y'all aren't telling the truth. <laughs> there aren't that many of you guys that are on time. All right, here we go. Here's another habit that, that, uh, that annoys other people. Picking your nose. How many of you guys pick your nose? Well, there's a couple of you that are honest. How many of you pick your friend's nose, okay? Overly affectionate public displays, PDA, your public. You guys are just confused, aren't you? Um, you check your phone or iPad or electronics at dinner time. Lunch time, breakfast time, whatever time it is. I had to look this one up. I didn't understand this. Having alligator arms. I didn't say Florida gators, okay? I didn't say that. Alligator arms means when the bill comes up, you, you never can seem to get over there to it. Popping or snapping gum in public. That's you. Amanda, is that you? Oh my goodness. Talking during movies. Nobody wants to go to the movie with you, okay? Okay, here are bad habits that impact your health. Okay, here we go. Not enough sleep. All mothers, raise your hand in here. Eating past 8 p.m. Now look, we can solve, kill two birds with one stone, and if you go to sleep at eight o'clock, before eight o'clock, you get enough sleep and you don't eat after eight o'clock. So, consume too much sugar, eating too much red meat, poor posture, spending too much time looking at a computer screen, not dealing with stress, Man, this is, we're a poor group of people, aren't we? <laughs> Not drinking enough water. Okay, here's one. Obsessing over things that happened in the past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I 
Dave, Dave, I, I know this is a problem you have, okay? I'll point it out for you. Frequently wearing high heels too, too long. You know, there's, and this, listen, this list goes on and on talking about finances and relationships and all these other things. But you know, there are also bad habits spiritually. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, here we, don't raise your hands on this, okay? <laughs> but here we go. Uh, skipping out on fellowship with other people, I can do it myself. I mean, my relationship with God is personal. Getting awful quiet. Lack of attention to prayer. No regular time of spending time in the Word, studying, meditating on God's Word. Not using or ignoring the gifts that God has given you to serve, to be His ambassador to the world. Lack of intentionality. Man, we went from laughing to quiet all of a sudden. Maybe we need to go back and raise hands. You know, when we started Heritage, we, Brian said, usually it was, it, I had fallen asleep and Brooke had fallen asleep and, and, and Meredith and Brian were still sitting at the table uh, trying to figure out everything as we were talking. I mean, we would go late, late in the night at like two and three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Talking about core values and those things that we, we wanted to see valued as a, as a church body, as a church family. Many times did we spend talking about God's word and what we wanted to cultivate and what we wanted to encourage that would not only characterize us as a, as a church family, but would be things that individually, that core values that we believe were, were very important to us individually. When you guys came in earlier, you should have gotten a bookmark. Did, did everybody get one? I want you to have one of these. If you didn't get one, we'll make sure that you did get one. But these, these are... The core values that we begin with, and as we have been talking, these core values have not changed. I mean, they're still the exact same thing that we, that we started out with. Um, and these are good not only for our personal lives, but us corporately as we, as we, um, as we live as a body of believers here within this community. And, and we want to be talking about these over the, over the next several weeks. And it's really funny because somebody said to me earlier, they said, you know, there's not a lot of seats left this morning. They said it's it's the New Year's resolutions. Oh, my goodness, I better get back to church. And you may be here, and listen, it may be your, good new, your, your New Year's resolution to, to make sure that you're back in church and try to get started out on the, the, right, the right path. You may be here, and somebody's invited you for the first time, and this is your, your first time coming to Heritage. You're, in, you're interested in what's going on, but you really don't know anything else about Heritage. I just want you to know we're good. Man, I'm glad that you're here today, and over the next six weeks, you'll get a chance to learn just a little bit more about us. But there are others of you here that are involved. I mean, you've been here maybe for a little bit of time, and you, you're participating. You're, you know, maybe you participate in a missional community or Bible study, or, or uh, maybe, you, maybe you have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're still searching, but you're still involved. You're trying to figure it all out. I'm glad that you're here. But there are others of you that have been here for a long period of time, and man, listen, you're just not interested in what's going on. You're not just involved, but you're invested. You're here. And if I were to ask you where your church family was, you'd say, man, listen, I'm at, I'm at Heritage. I'm part of the body of Christ there at Heritage. You participate by your giving, by your serving, by your growing in Christ, and you're just, you're in. I mean, you're in like Flynn. You're dug in with your heels. You're like Glory and John that has been here since day one. And man, you're just, you're going at it, and you're part of our family. 
And our conversation over the next several weeks are going to just remind us, because it's very important that we remind ourselves of who we are, what the Scripture has to say, uh, of things that are important to us, things that we value, because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some things that we value as a church body. And it's very important we review, because I'm going to tell you what, as I looked at these, some of these things I went, man, I just hadn't been doing a good job at that. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to say sometimes that we value something, cult, but it's easy for us to get away from those things that we say that we value. So it's important for us, regardless if you're, in, you're interested, if I mean, you're just here for the first time or first time in a long time, or if you're involved or if you're invested, to know those things that we think that the Bible talks about that are really important to us as, bodies, as a body of believers. Things that are important to us as, as, a, as a heritage family, things that we believe the Bible talks about very importantly are a part of our spiritual walk, things that we should be passionate about. Because as we go in and out and through this community, it's important for us to live what we believe the Scripture has to say. And these, these six things will help paint a picture for us of what it looks like not only to be the church, but to live as a disciple of Christ. So let me ask you a question as we start off today, which I think is really important. Do you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? I didn't ask you if you went to church. Didn't ask you if you went to a Bible study. But if you were to evaluate your life today, would you say that you're in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you in a more intimate relationship with the Lord today than what you were yesterday? I want you to think about that just for a second. Let's talk about a disciple. We've talked about this over and over again because what does it look like to be a disciple? One of those pictures we find in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where Jesus is out. He's out and he's in the early stages of his ministry and he's walking along the Sea of Galilee. And we see where Jesus has an encounter with Simon and Andrew there. Here they are fishing. And Jesus calls out to them in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, and he says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And with inside of that passage of Scripture, we see some components of what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. Number one, a person that has received the invitation to follow Christ. Come follow me. Listen, have you made that decision to follow Jesus? If you look at your life, as you evaluate your life, as we begin off the new year, have you received that invitation to trust and follow Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins, that he rose again and that he sits at the right hand of the Father and that one day he's coming back? Have you made that decision to say, Jesus, I want to trust you? But not only trust you, have you received the invitation, but is your life being changed into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? See, because you don't change yourself, you don't change yourself into the likeness of Christ. That comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, come follow me, and I will make you. You don't make yourself. Whatever you have isn't good enough, by the way. But Jesus said, listen, come follow me. Have you received that invitation? Are you being changed into the likeness of Christ? And that third thing, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Are you committed to the mission of Christ? The mission which we find throughout the scriptures, to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, he's with us. So as we talk and as we begin our, our focus, I mean, one of the questions right up front is, listen, are you in a growing relationship with Christ? Have you received Christ? Have you trusted in him? Are you being changed into the likeness of Christ? I didn't say, are you perfect? 
Or are you being changed into the likeness of Christ? And are you committed to the mission of Christ? Because if you're committed to the mission of Christ, it means that your life in your Christian walk is more than just attending church on Sunday morning. It's more than just, listen, putting some money in the offering plates. It's more than just going to a Bible study, but it means that, hey, you're being changed into his likeness and you're committed to the mission of Christ. I mean, how many of you, when we go to work during the day, do you think about the things of the Lord? I mean, do you think about the things of the Lord when, when Luke, you're, man, you're driving at Disney and you're saying, listen, welcome to Disney World and thank you for having a great, I just want you guys to have a great day. You know, students, when you're at school and you're sitting around the lunch table, do you think about the things of the Lord during those times? When you're in, your, in the marketplace, do you consider the things of the Lord as you go about your, your daily task? If you've not made a decision to follow Christ, Maybe you're trying to figure it out. The biggest question I can ask you is, why, what's keeping you back? So, let's start out today. I want to ask you some more questions. This is just a day of questions. In your, um, in your handout, there's a list of questions that's there that revolve uh, around some, uh, a specific core value, intimacy with God. And listen, let's get really personal. This is not about you and your spouse or the person next to you and you cheating or any of those things. What I want you to do is, is I want you to answer those questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the question. Um, and then I, what I want you to do is I want you to write in a, cons- a corresponding number from zero to four. Zero being never. Number one, occasionally. Two, making some progress. Three, often. Four, most of the time. We didn't do five all the time because I don't know of anything we do all of the time, Right? So what I want you to do is I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to write down there a a number between zero and four. And I want you to be really, really honest. Now, here's number one. Let's talk about intimacy with God. Question number one I'd love to be able to ask you is this as we evaluate, as we look at this awareness. How I live my life shows that God is my highest priority. What would you say zero to four? How I live my life shows that God is my highest priority. Question number two. I'm dependent on God in every aspect of my life. By the way, way, these are pretty tough questions. I'm dependent on God in every aspect of my life. Number three, there is nothing in my life that I have not surrendered to God. No peeking at the person next to you. Number four, I have a regular, consistent appointment with God in his word and invite him into my everyday activities. I have a regular appointment with God in his word and invite him into my everyday activities. Number five, I have a deep desire to live in fellowship with every day with God. Think about the depth of that question. I have a deep desire to live in fellowship every day with God. And then number six, I intentionally make choices that are in sync with God's word. I intentionally make choices that are in sync with God's word between zero and four. Now, if you're like me, there were some numbers that you wanted to write down beside those questions that you knew of where you needed to be But then reality hit, and you had to say, but is that really where I'm at? I mean, I know I need to be a four, but 
maybe a two. So I want you to add those numbers up. Hopefully you got more than zero. <laughs> should add those numbers up and they should correspond. And, the, and sort of the, the thought is, am I a babe in Christ? Am I a Christ-like follower? Am I a growing disciple? Or am I a maturing disciple maker? For those of you that your totals between three and six, we would consider you a babe in Christ. For those of you that your numbers would be between seven and 12, you'd be a, considered a childlike follower. And understand, listen, these are just some numbers. A growing disciple would between 13 and 18 and maturing disciple maker between 19 and 24. And if you put 24 down, you're a liar. You see, I know some of you. I know how you want to do it. Because every one of us have spot. We have a place to grow, don't we? I want you to think about this for a moment. I want to sort of take you away from those questions because those questions are really revealing as we talk about intimacy with God. But this is what I want you to understand and know up front. And listen to this because this is very, very powerful. Very powerful. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in it, Everything that has been, is, and ever will be desires a relationship with us. No exceptions. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in it, everything that has been, is, and ever will be desires a relationship with us. And there is no exception. In God's word, we find that he himself created mankind to relate to him. That we were created in God's image is what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. That man's intimacy with God began in the garden. God is the one that created it. He designed it and he desires it. But when man sinned, our relationship with God was broken. And that seed of sin was passed down to generation, to generation, to generation. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. And that sin is what separates us from God. It is what renders us spiritually dead. There are no exceptions. That's where we are. Our relationship with God has been hindered. It's been severed. There's a chasm that, lasts between, that, that exists between man and between God. Sin impacts our relationship with God, but it also impacts our relationships with one another. How many of you have experienced a broken relationship? Anybody? I want you to think about this and just sort of try to put, these, put this together. Relationships are broken, not because of selflessness, but because of selfishness. Relationships are broken not because of trust, but because of mistrust. Relationships are destroyed and impacted not because of humility, but because of pride. Relationships are hurt and mangled because, not because of love, but because of hatred. Not because of generosity, but relationships are destroyed because of greed, lust, envy, and jealousy. Yet God, in his grace, in his mercy, because of his love for us, did something that he didn't have to do. He covered our sins. In the Old Testament, we see with Adam and Eve where he covered their sin with an animal skin, which was the first sign that we know that there was, a, there was a, the shedding of blood which was required. And he did that so that man's relationship with God could be restored. But that sacrifice that was prepared and, and, and put in place at that time was only temporary. But what it did is it set the stage for Jesus himself to come who would be 
the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that would die once and for all for all sins. This is what Peter had to say, that Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He didn't sin, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And those of us that are willing to trust him, those of us that are willing to enter into a relationship to believe and to, and to follow Christ and to accept that invitation that is given to all of us, we are spiritually reborn and we experience a new life. Now, I really like what Paul had to say when he was talking in the book of Ephesus to the believers there. And he's saying, listen, guys, I don't want you to ever forget where you've been. Steve, man, listen, I don't want you to ever forget what it was like before Christ because it's so easy to do that. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, when he was speaking there, this is what he said. Listen how good this is. Once you were dead. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. And listen at how he goes on to describe Satan himself. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And then listen to what he says. And he's talking to the believers there. All of us, no exceptions, all of us. He said all of us used to live that way. We followed the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Listen, before Christ, that's where we were. That's where you were. And those great words in verse 4, but God. See, God could have turned his back. God could have walked away. God said, listen, man, I'm not going to have anything else to do with you. Have you ever done that with somebody else that's wronged you, that's hurt you? You ever said to somebody that's, man, that's, that's really put it to you, said, listen, I'll never have anything else to do with you. And aren't you glad that God didn't, doesn't treat us that way? But God. But God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin and we were separated from him, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. And it wasn't anything that we deserved, but God did it anyway. Why? Really because he loves us. That's why. Because he wants to have a relationship with us. Paul, when he was teaching uh, and talking there to, to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he says, For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile, bring back together, provide the bridge, close the gap between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. And so here we are seeing that the God of the universe loves us, desires a relationship with us. He invites us into that relationship not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And because he desires to see us grow up into the image of his likeness of his son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not anything you can do on your own. It's, it's, it's bigger, guys, than going to church on Sunday morning. It's bigger than leading a Bible study. But here it is in the intimacy of the moment. The Heavenly Father desires a relationship with you. It's personal, and it's real. 
I like what Oswald Chambers says, it's a joy to Jesus when a person takes time to walk more intimately with him. I think you'd agree. I think we would all agree. It's very difficult to have a close relationship with somebody if you don't spend any time with them, right? It's amazing how our relationships impact our lives. We have friends that adopted a, an animal a couple of years ago. And after they adopted that animal, it was very apparent that the dog, it wasn't just an animal, it was a dog. It was very apparent that the dog had experienced abuse in his lifetime. I mean, the dog was uncontrollable at times. They didn't know that when they first adopted him. But over the past several years, it's amazing how the mannerisms and the actions of that dog have changed because of the love that they've received from that adoptive family. See, our lives change as we spend time with the Father. As we're adopted into His family, and we come to experience His love, it's amazing how our lives begin to change. An intimacy with God is not only a core value, but it should be the passionate pursuit of all of God's children. And if time is a key ingredient, as it relates to our intimacy with God, the question that I want to ask you today is how much time are you investing? Are you actually investing in connecting and spending time with the Father? Or is a Sunday morning the extent of your time? How much time? Do you think about the things of the Lord during the day as you go about life? Now, you find some crazy things. And I thought to myself, this is pretty funny, so i got to share this. I hope this doesn't offend you, but I'm going to share it anyway. I thought it was pretty funny, and you'll find it, I think, to be funny. I had to call somebody this week and say, look, if you don't get it together with your husband, let me tell you what he's going to put on your epitaph on your grave when you die. Okay? You have to do that to people sometimes. You just got to sort of love on them a little bit, tell them the truth. So as I was looking, I found this as, a, as an epitaph on a gravestone. Listen to what it says. Here lies my wife. I bid her goodbye. She rests in peace. Now so do I. <laughs> Men, you want to write that down? Let me say that one more time. Here was another epitaph. I died from not forwarding that text message 10 times. Some of you, that, that's funny. Here's another one. I made some good deals, some bad deals, but I really went in the hole on this one. And then one of my favorites, I told you I was sick. <laughs> How do you one day want to be remembered? What will be written on your epitaph when you die? The book of Acts, here's Luke, and he records some of the words of Paul looking back and telling the story of David when he's talking about the gospel and what God has done through the years. And here he is talking about King David, Paul talking about King David. And he's talking to a group of Jewish people that would have known very well the stories, not only the good stories, but the bad stories about David in his life. I mean, they would have known the good stuff, the bad stuff. They would have known it all. Known it all. And here is Paul getting down to the place, and he, and he says this about David, that God identified David in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, that David was a man after God's own heart. 
I mean, is that what somebody was going to say about you one day when, when your time is up and you're gone? Man, I want to tell you what. They were, that Bart, he was a man after God's own heart. Tom, he was a man. Chris, he was a man after God's own heart. What is it that they'll say about you? What does that mean to be a person after God's own heart? Did it mean that he was perfect? Did it mean that he was sinless? Well, obviously not. So what did it mean? He tells us a little bit later in that passage. He says that David lived desiring to please the Lord. David was far from perfect. And we see that in the stories throughout the scriptures. David's heart was always, though, however, pointed towards the Lord. He had a desire to want to know God and to follow him with every part of who he was. But man, he failed miserably many times. There are other characteristics that we find in the scriptures about David. And listen at these really quickly. David was a man. He had faith in God. I mean, especially you look at his encounter with the Philistine giant uh, uh, Goliath. I mean, everybody else is afraid to take Goliath on. And David says, listen, he said, man, I don't have a problem doing that. He said, God has protected me when I fought the lion. He's protected me in the time that I fought the bear. And this Philistine, this giant, man, he's not anything. God will be faithful. God will be faithful. He knew what God had done in the past, and he believed that God would continue to be faithful. When he was being pursued by Saul, maybe you know the story. Here he was. He could have, he could have killed Saul, but he didn't. Why? He said, I won't replace what God has put in place. God will be faithful. David also loved God's law. He was credited with writing more than half of the Psalms, and he talked about God's word and how much he loved God's word and the law. And he said this in Psalms Chapter 119, he said, how I delight in your commands and how I love them. I honor and I love your commands. I meditate on your decrees, O Lord. David had a thankful heart. In Psalms chapter 26, I'll wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord. He said, I love your sanctuary, the place where your, where your glorious presence dwells. Oh, Lord, singing songs of thanksgiving and telling of all of your wonders. I mean, are you thank, do you recognize the depth that God has gone to rescue you? When's the last time you've given thanks to the Lord? My mother was saying this the other day. She said, you know, it's almost a, a, bygone, um, a bygone thing of writing thank you notes. I wonder if that has anything to do with the condition of our hearts these days and how many times do we maybe take things for granted David not only had a thankful heart he had a heart of praise I enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into the courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name and then after David had sinned I mean he could have denied it he could have walked away from it he could have ignored it but when he was confronted by Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12 the scripture says that David confessed to Nathan and he cried out I have sinned against the Lord he had a repentant heart he confessed it But he also repented and he turned. In Psalms chapter 51, we see the words, Have mercy on me, O God, as he cried out, Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out, wash away the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt and purify me from my sin. It was David who said this in Psalms chapter 63, O God, you are my God, and I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. 
My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Have you ever been at that place? But the type of searching that David is talking about isn't something that just sort of happens. It's not, man, I'm searching. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm sort of going to wait back and sit and see if it happens. It wasn't walking. It wasn't happenstance. But there was a hunger to experience God, to hear his voice, because David knew that there was more. He knew. This is how he described that longing. He says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. And as you think about your relationship with God, I mean, how might it be described? I mean, if it were you pinning some words, what is it that you would say? Oh God, listen, as a deer panteth for the water, my soul longs for you. Or, you know, maybe if we catch up, I'll... How would you describe your relationship with God? And as I look, man, what is there some practical habits? And I can sit up here today and I can give you some practical habits that you are to have in your life to help you move towards intimacy with God. But as I looked at Jesus and his relationship with the Father, there were several things that were very key to me. And, man, we could talk about the Word. We could talk about obedience or submission. But there's one thing today I want to focus on. One thing that is just sort of just as you look and as you begin to, to examine and you talk about Jesus' relationship with the Father and how they interacted, there's one thing that really stands out. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, I mean, it talks about Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. I started taking and, and doing some research on some of the times that Jesus withdrew himself. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off into a solitary place where he prayed. And you find these inside of the gospel. Listen to this. Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more so the crowds of people came near him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake is what it says in Mark. Why? One Sabbath was going through the grain, one Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. A large crowd from the Galilee followed. Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night there praying to the Father. When's the last time you spent all night long praying? When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by a boat to a private place to pray. Because so many people were coming, come with me to yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away to themselves to a boat, to a solitary place. Jesus again went to the mountainside to pray. When the evening came, he was still there all alone. And it goes on and on and on. And when we talk about intimacy with the Father, I think one of the things that we really need to take note of is how many times Jesus got alone Pray. How's your prayer life? I didn't say your corporate prayer life. I didn't see what everybody else sees up here on the stage. But how's your private time? I want you to turn to the passage scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Just want to focus on a couple of verses very quickly.
Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. So the issue of prayer comes up in Jesus' teaching, and this is what Jesus had to say in reference to prayer, and this is so important. This is so valuable. I don't think about this as going through the motions of prayer, blessed to meet, less eat. But there was an intimacy that was created in the, in the times of prayer. And I want you to see this, and I want you to sense this today, as Jesus teaches us. And he said, and when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, but when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, we've talked about this passage many other times, and we know that a hypocrite is, we would consider to be an actor or a performer. The word hypocrite is not a, it's not a good word, is it? I mean, when we, you've probably used the word hypocrite, it's been derogatory. Look at those hypocrites. And Jesus said, look, don't be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, don't be like an actor or performer, the person who seeks to act out or to perform for the crowd. Who are you performing for? Who is your audience? Who are you seeking to please? The goal of the hypocrite is to be seen. And he goes on to say, don't be like the hypocrites. By the way, who love to pray on street corners and in the synagogues where people everywhere can be seen. Don't be like the hypocrites to go to church every Sunday and think that they've got it all figured out. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will ever get. So up front, Jesus says, look, don't be like the hypocrite who loves to pray in public places. Public prayers in public places. That's what they do. What's the motivation behind their, behind their prayer? Jesus said, look. The motivation is they want to be seen. And Jesus said, look, if you pray in those places, if you pray those types of prayers, you will get a reward. Well, what in the world is the reward? that you'll be seen by others. Man said, listen, you want to be in the spotlight? That's okay, you'll be in the spotlight. You'll be seen by other people. That's a reward. You'll, you want to receive the attention? You'll get it. You'll get the accolades. You'll get the attaboys. If the motivation of the heart is to be seen, you'll be seen. Man, look at how religious he is. Look at how long he prays. Listen at all those big words he uses. And Jesus says, listen, when you pray that way, congratulations, you've gotten your reward. You got exactly what you wanted. You stood up, you prayed, everybody saw, it was good. But Jesus goes on to say, but when you pray, this is huge, <laughs> but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father and private. And see, this, is, this, this isn't Jesus telling them what to do. This is what Jesus did. I mean, we see this throughout Jesus's life. This is, wasn't something that Jesus was making up and says, oh, this sounds really good. So if you want to take some cues from Jesus, let's look at what he did. And that's what he did. He, he would retreat many times. He would withdraw many times to go pray and talk to the, to the Father. And where does he tell us to go? He said, listen, go behind closed doors and shut the door. In the quiet place. He talks to us about a specific spot, about a specific location. In other words, it's important. It's important. 
This doesn't have anything to do with public prayer versus private prayer because we see in the scriptures where Jesus prayed publicly and he prayed privately. This is not what this is about. But it's about the condition of our hearts. It's about the motivation of our hearts. And the question is, what is it that we are trying to accomplish? To be seen by men or to spend time with the Heavenly Father? Jesus is saying, listen, you want to know more about prayer? You want to know more about the Heavenly Father? You want to know more about me? Just don't just pray outside where everybody can see you and hear what you have to say. But get in the room and shut the door. And get quiet. In other words, if you practice this, there's a reward. There's a reward. See, there's a difference between keeping an appointment, fulfilling an expectation, and spending time because you want to, focusing on Him. Because we can spend our whole life talking to Him and not connecting with Him. Because the connection doesn't come when we talk to him. But the connection, the intimacy comes when we get in the room and we shut the door behind us. And here's Jesus giving us something about prayer that is so far out of the norm. It's beyond the help me and the bless me and the provide for me and the protect me and the heal me. And Jesus says, listen, get away and shut the door. Pray to the Father who is unseen. And here's the promise. Listen. And here's the, this, this is the promise that he gives us. That when our heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret, listen to what he says in verse 6 there. Then your Father, heavenly Father, who sees everything, omniscient. Our heavenly Father who is all-knowing, past, present, and future. God is always aware of what is going on. Our Father who is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent will reward you. He'll reward you. Reward means actually to pay back. To pay back. You'll get paid back. When you spend time in the closet, when you do spend time in that private time with the Lord, when you withdraw to a solitary place and you spend time focusing on seeking, longing for, you will be rewarded. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Maybe some of the reasons or one of the reasons that we've not been rewarded is we've not spent the time in the closet. Maybe one of the reasons that our intimacy with the Father has suffered is because we've not spent the time in the closet that we need to spend with him. You might say, well, you mean to tell me that's the reason that my life is in so much shambles right now is because I've not spent time in the closet behind the closed doors? That's the reason my finances are the way they are, my family's the way they are, my job is the reason it is, my marriage is that way. Man, I better get home and get in the closet. Yeah. You mean to tell me that all I have to do is go to God and he'll work out his magic? All I need to do is get in the closet and shut the door? Man, I'm there. I mean, it's going to happen when I walk out of these doors. I'm going to my closet when I get home. But Jesus doesn't promise us just because we go in the closet and we shut the door that we will get what we want. But he does tell us that we will be rewarded. 
You'll be rewarded. Intimacy with the Lord? Yeah. There's some people must think I'm crazy sometimes. Driving down the road, I'm talking to the Lord. Sometimes that's the only quiet place you can find is in the car by yourself. I'm just talking away. Sitting in a deer stand, talking to the Lord. Late at night with my eyes closed, talking to the Lord. Early in the morning, talking to the Lord. I mean, it's not just about the closet. It's not the physical closet. It's the attitude of the heart. It's the motivation. It's it's the fact of, God, I need you because I can't do it on my own. I've tried everything else. And we need the corporate uh, inclusion. We need each other in this journey Man, that's so important. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we, when we start talking about authenticity. We need that. We need the relationships with one another, but you also need that private place that you go that you are specifically longing for the Father. And the promise is He'll pay you. He'll reward you. He'll pay you back. Three things. I just want to write these down and we're out of here, okay? Three things. Just write these down. You said, but Sid, how, how do I do that? I'm just going to give you three words. Three words. You're going to have to create some space. You said, but I just don't have time. Block out some time. You will do what's important to you. Some of you will use the excuse, I can't spend any time in God's Word because I, I can't do a missional community. I, can't, I just don't have any time. You do what's important to you. We will all do what's important. Block out some time. Number two, find a place. Find a place. Whatever that place may be. I'm not going to tell you what that place is. Withdraw. Spend time with the Lord. Block out time. Find a place. Make it consistent. Block out time. Find a place. Make it consistent. You know, I love to tell the story about losing my wedding ring on our trip last summer. And uh, by the way, that was what I told him. I said, Meredith, I want a cheap, cheap ring, something I can put on my finger. And, and I got a cheap, cheap ring I can put on my finger, so I don't have to worry about if I lose it, it's a cheap one. I'll go get myself another one, okay? So. But I didn't find that wedding ring in the ocean in the Caribbean when we were on our 30th anniversary because I just, well, if God's going to bring it back to me, he's going to bring it back to me, and I just went about my business. No, I prayed. I prayed, and I said, Jesus, 30 years, are you kidding me? Now lose it? I don't think so. You know I need to have that thing back. If it's important, give it back to me. I'm having this conversation with the Lord in the water, in the Caribbean, where I lost my ring. He gave it back to me. But I didn't find it because I went, well, if Jesus wants to give it to me, he'll just sort of provide it back for me. I had to go looking for it. And that's what I did. I went back looking for it. And I found it. If you seek me, you'll find me. As you roll into 2019, I guess the question is, are you going to be seeking after him? And as we talk about core values, it's at the top of the list. 
intimacy with God. Do you know him more intimately today than yesterday? My prayer as we walk together over this next year is that you'll find some solitary time on a consistent basis. That you'll be seeking after the Father. And as a result, you'll come to know him better this year than what you did last year. See, it's not about perfection. No. You ain't going to make it. But just as David, man, when that la- my last breaths are taken on my epitaph, you know, <laughs> he sought after the things of the Lord. Boy, he sure blew it a lot. But that's really what he wanted to do. That's my prayer for us as a church family, as a heritage family, that not only for us as a heritage family, but for all believers that we would passionately pursue intimacy with the Father because we want to hear his voice, because we want to spend time with him, because we want to know him, but we also want to be in his likeness. Is that you? How many of you would say to me today, no hesitations because there's somebody sitting beside you that you don't, this isn't about trying to impress anybody, this isn't a trying for you show somebody, but how many of you would, would say to me, Sid, that's a huge deal for me this next year that I would like to grow in my intimacy with the Father. I don't, maybe, maybe you're at a place saying, I don't know him, but I want to know him. Maybe you say, I know him, but I want to know him better. Anybody? Yeah. And as we grow in him and with him, others will see that. Others will see it. And you'll be a star witness. Not because of the information you have, but because of the life you're living. What do we want to be known for? Great programs? Great buildings? Great attendance? Great offerings? There's great people that are God's people that are seeking to follow and obey him. That's a pretty doggone good New Year's resolution. Father, I ask today that as we conclude our time together that we would be reminded of the opportunity we have to seek after you. Every person that's in this room to understand the significance of the word, to understand the significance of submission and humility, to understand the significance of what we've talked about that you demonstrated in your life today to withdraw and to have those times of solitude and quietness. My prayer is that every one of us in this room have come to that place that we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior and that we're growing into his likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're being... We're being challenged to to be on mission and be committed to the mission of Christ. But there may be someone here today that doesn't know you, that have never trusted you as Christ. Even today, would they be willing to cry out and say, Jesus, I, I confess my sins. And yes, I want to receive you. I want to follow you. 
I want to trust you. I want to commit my life to you. If that's you, man, I just pray that you would in some way communicate that to us so that we can follow up with you and walk with you in this journey. I pray for us, Lord, as we enter into this new year and as we talk over the next several weeks about our core values and things that are important, that we would understand that each one of them are such an important part of what the Scripture has to say, of painting a picture of what it looks like to not only be a a church body, but, Father, to be disciples for Christ, that we would be reminded of the important role that we play in this community to take your gospel to to not only the ends of the earth, but, Father, to be very effective here, here in this community, that we would continue to partner So that the world would know, and our community would know, and our city would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And even now, Father, I'm praying as we talk about intimacy with God, the men's retreat of getting away. I'm praying now for the men's retreat and even the women's retreat in March. Father, that we'll have multitudes of people that will understand the significance and the importance of drawing away into those solitary places so that we can spend time focused on you. I pray for our teenagers next week, Father, as they will separate themselves for the sole purpose of hearing your voice. That God, as we provide these opportunities, that they would be taken advantage of. Not because it's the cool thing to do, but because it's the right thing to do. And so even today, Father, I pray that we would, we would see multitudes, that all of our people would have an opportunity, if po- at all possible, to attend one of these that are these solitary places to movements of getting away so that their intimacy with God can be increased. Father, may we just hear your voice and may we, as we talk, may we block out that time, may we find that place and may we be consistent. I pray that for us so that we can be your ambassadors here in this community and beyond. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of of being a part of such a great group of people called Heritage. Father, may we be faithful to live out that legacy, to grow spiritually and to share life and to serve the world. And when all is said and done, that we would be known as a people that sought after you with all of our heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.